a Hellebuck counselor breaks ranks and predicts the Valentine Lake megamine will poison the environment and displace wildlife. Meanwhile, the deadline for public comments is coming up. Megamine versus caribou. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. This is episode 160, and a special thank you to listeners like Tim Clark, who support us on patreon.com or via email transfer to mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Below you. Environmental assessment process for the controversial Valentine Lake mine continues. The Impact Assessment Agency of Canada is accepting public comments until December 23rd at this email address iaac.valentine.aeic at canada.ca. You can find that address on our Facebook page and on the show notes for this episode and I'll also give it to you again at the end of the program. One person who has already sent in his comment is Jason Benoit, Counselor for Port-a-Port Ward on Halibu and Chief of Benoit First Nation. This is what he said. I personally disapprove of the development because it will poison the environment, displace wildlife, and cause widespread devastation to the areas affected. Not a good trade-off for jobs. When they are finished... They will leave a huge contaminated mess as per usual for this type of development. The environment, Mother Earth, is paramount or a foolish gold extraction. The words of Jason Benoit, a member of Halibut Council. But Chief Brendan Mitchell and most of the other councillors are backing the project even before the environmental review is complete. More on that environmental review this week. As part of the process, funding is made available for public participation. Here at Mi'kmaq Matters, we're using some of that funding to review the impact of the proposed project on caribou. We have hired caribou expert Brian McLaren, a professor in natural resources management, now at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, Ontario, but who years ago worked in Newfoundland. He is assisted by Richard Wang, who's from Fogo Island, now doing a master's at Trent University in Peterborough, Ontario. We're looking specifically at the impact of the proposed mine on caribou, whose numbers are already down because of coyotes. Now comes a mega mine right in the middle of their territory, the ultimate impact of which will not be known for many years, maybe not before there are catastrophic consequences for caribou. I touched base with Brian McLaren to debrief on a call with the Impact Assessment Agency and to give you, our listeners, an update on where we are in our work. Brian refers to Star Lake, that's a hydro development in central Newfoundland. Stantec is the international consulting firm hired by Marathon Gold Corporation to assist in the environmental review. Okay, Brian, so uh, we were on a call this past week with uh, convened by the Impact Assessment Agency of Canada between Marathon and some of the participants in the uh, environmental uh, assessment process uh, for this project. Uh, what, uh, what were your impressions of that call? Any takeaways, any surprises? Uh, what were your thoughts after the meeting? Well, I've, uh, I've actually been away from the Newfoundland community long enough that I was 
reminded, I had to be reminded that the uh, public consultation is small when it comes to uh, th these kinds of, of meetings. And uh, uh, yeah, I thought that the attendance was was low, but that's that's an impression that uh, uh, comes from being away from Newfoundland. The, uh, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with how much more, more thorough the environmental assessment process is than uh, it was when I first heard about it in the 80s. Um, it, 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 without public consultation, it, it remains with that criticism of being just a checklist. So, um, you know, it's, it's got to be a case where enough people are interested in it to, to sway a decision at the end, which is made really outside the EA process by a, 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 an elected official. So, you know, it's, it's really important. I guess I was reminded also of the importance of the uh, public involvement in, in the, in the work. Yeah. I was, uh, I was also surprised at the, um, the small number of, of participants, of course, the, the two first nations had their own meeting, uh, but uh, two hours were allotted by the impact agency of Canada and we didn't use the entire two hours. So uh, it was um, more low key, I guess, than uh, I, th I thought it would be, but um, you know, we tried to make use of it uh, as best we could. And um, so it was, it was useful. Now, Brian, you've been, uh, you mentioned um, the, uh, the Marathon um, Environmental Impact Statement, which is what we are reviewing in this process. And um, your, your impression is that it's, um, it's comprehensive. Um, you've been, uh, we're, of course, looking specifically at the provisions regarding caribou. So uh, just to, to uh, for context for our listeners, um, can we tell them about the development area and uh, how it overlaps with four caribou herds uh, on the island of Newfoundland? Yeah, um, sure. So together, those four herds, which are uh, Grey River, La Poil, uh, which spend a large amount of time on the south coast, um, Buckins, which spends winters in the south coast and gaff topsails um you know that area is uh, about uh, it's almost 2000 square kilometers so in some cases the impact statement makes reference to the very small footprint of the development relative to that very large area um so gaff topsails is an interesting case because i remember highway drives where you'd see the really crowded area of uh, calving that takes place on a relatively small plateau that's not true of um, the uh, uh, other herds. Calving occurs over a much larger area, but uh, for the Gray River herd, um, there is occupation of the area of uh, projected development and a buffer area around it. Um, and that includes calving. And then for the Buckins herd, um, it's clear that uh, spring migration, calving and some of the post-calving period um, are uh, moving through a relatively narrow passage between uh, Deer Lake and Red Indian Lake and uh, a large portion of that relatively narrow migratory route. The, so the statement points out five and a half kilometers will be um, a barrier created. Uh, uh, 
simply by drawing a one kilometer buffer around the uh, area of mine development. Mm. Um, now, there are four caribou herds, and um, the report refers to the Buckins herd that will have the most significant impact, as is the word uh, the report describes, significant impact for the, for the Buckins herd. And that is in part because the, their migratory route um, goes smack dab through this development area. Yes. So, um, uh, and what, uh, and tell us a bit more about what the, uh, what the exact, uh, uh, as far as we can anticipate, what the impact of that um, would be on the Buckinser, the fact that their migratory route uh, is through the development area. Of course, they're going to have to take a detour. Uh, right. And uh, uh, it's just, it's important to mention that the, the, you know, cumulative effects are now being considered. Um, what they mean uh, is up to, again, public opinion. Um, uh, but uh, the impact uh, started really well before we had an EA process with the uh, Victoria uh, Lake uh, Dam and the, the reservoir created by that. Um, and of course, with, with increasing wetland area, which is not used very much by caribou, um, you lose habitat. And that's acknowledged in the statement. That will occur uh, for the development of the mine, just as it did for the Star Lake Hydro project. And uh, um, the uh, Star Lake uh, project, fortunately, it followed a, a good record, really, in Newfoundland of including science in the environmental assessment process. So a paper published 18 years ago is, is very clear what happens to the migration, since you asked about that part of it, um, is that the uh, individuals which, uh, which chose very particular days, you know, variation by a week or so across individuals, but any individual caribou was very predictable in migrating until the construction of the uh, dam at Star Lake started. And then they would leave you know, a week later, a week earlier the next year. And they couldn't find weather-related effects at all because uh, you know, weather varied before and after the development. And the uh, migration did return to a predictable state, but uh, the duration of the mine looks like you know, there'll be long-term effects. That's what the statement admits of maybe 10 or more years of disrupted migration. And uh, the linear feature, uh, while it's gonna be minimized by putting the power line alongside the access road from the Trans-Canada Highway, um, there'll be you know one long linear feature that also has to be avoided. So, okay, people might think, um, okay, so, you know, they'll just walk around it, um, you know, caribou, you know, uh, there's a lot of space down there and they'll mm -hmm. just walk around it. So what's the big deal? Um, they can just walk around it as, as, as animals do and, um, and they, will, they will adapt. Yeah, well, you know, those who know animals intimately know that there's sort of a delicate energy balance. We can see it in ourselves. And, uh, you know, we have delicate energy balances. Caribou coming out of winter and within a few weeks moving into calving. Um, those females are starting off in poor condition. Um, they uh, are uh, vulnerable while there's still snow on the ground. They're, they're particularly vulnerable to predation. Uh, their calves are vulnerable uh, when they're young. 
to black bear predation. Um, so, uh, you know, their energy balance is affected by avoiding predators. And now your uh, question really is on the fact that they'll start avoiding uh, a new road, they'll start avoiding uh, an area and maybe walking further than in the past. There'll be uh, stress added by confusion as things start occurring. And there'll be this sensory disturbance that the impact statement uh, makes very clear as well, because um, some of the work, uh, especially the blasting, cannot go below a, you know, a 40 decibel threshold that uh, uh, has been uh, uh, sort of stress-free threshold for caribou and other studies. So, you know, there's going to be rock blasting that goes above 80 decibels. And, and uh, you know, that it, it, an animal is confronted by all kinds of disturbance and stress ultimately, and, and this is why I focused on the cats, it would translate into changes in the population dynamics. So without a doubt, you will lose more caribou and more caribou calves with every additional stress that, that has significance. Hmm. Now, um, I was surprised, a little bit surprised that the report did not deal with the, the, um, the calving issue. In regards to the buckens herd, it does speak to uh, the fact that the, their migration route goes through the development area. Um, and, um, but my impression was that there was little discussion of the calving the calving component of the impact. Was that your impression also yeah. that that did, did not deal with it in any fulsome way? Right. There's no counts on calving and there's no counts on the number of uh, uh, migrating uh, females pre-calving, uh, you know, who would be pregnant. And, and um, I think those counts would make me a lot happier. All, all we have are counts that come from aerial surveys that for some reason omit uh, uh, specific identification of calves. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the, it's it's uh, the Gray River uh, herd as well as uh, uh, some of the Buckins females that are probably in the area and will be affected uh, pre-calving, calving, and post-calving. So I did notice that among the mitigating measures um, is uh, no promise to cease operations, but uh, willingness to cease operations or reduce activity around the mine uh, in consultation with the regulator, which presumably is the Newfoundland Labrador Wildlife Division. Now, let's talk about that because um, we, in previous conversations, we've talked about how in in other developments there's been a, a an enforced downtime, a quiet time uh, during, uh, particularly during uh, during calving. Uh, during calving and, you know, maybe through, maybe during the fall uh, migration. But here, it seems under mitigation, uh, it seems somewhat vague that they're, the idea, as I understand it, is that there'll be wildlife people on site, they'll be on the lookout for caribou, and I'll say, oh, here's some caribou, let's, uh, let's turn down the volume a little bit. But so the approach here seems to be less formal and more, perhaps a little bit haphazard than we have uh, than other mitigation measures we have uh, discussed in relation to other projects. That's right. It very much depends on the dedication of the um, uh, biologists in the wildlife division to pay attention to, to what's happening here. So, you know, I hope, I hope they will, but again, public 
voice counts in making sure that happens. I would have liked to see too the uh, you know the figures drawn up for the statement to include the uh, four kilometer buffer. Um, that's very clear. In fact, during calving, uh, the study of the whole Brook Gold Mine in particular shows a six kilometer avoidance of the area. So uh, you lose habitat during calving, but it's been calculated only on a one kilometer buffer. And then when caribou are seen, um, and and again presumably that's in the summer because uh, in the uh, in the in the winter there the buckins in particular are on the south coast, but um, the, uh, you know the, the indication is to not blast unless the caribou moves away at a distance of a half a kilometer. So when there's a table, it, it, table eleven fourteen shows a whole bunch of studies, and uh, the closest at home says stay away six kilometers. Uh, sorry, caribou will stay away six kilometers during the uh, calving time. I don't know why uh, you know the, the blasting uh, is uh, only given a, a half kilometer buffer. Mm. Um, now uh, they the the report uh, does uh, it does say um, you know clearly um, that. Uh, there will be significant um, impact on, and particularly the Buckins herd. Uh, but it says, um, it says so uh, in one section, while caribou may be able to circumnavigate the project, it is unclear what effects a deviation from a migratory corridor will have on the Buckins herd, some of which may not be realized for several years. So Brian, that makes me that gives me the impression that we don't really know. I mean, we have experts like yourself and, um, you know, there'll be many, many other studies are, are quoted in the environmental impact statement, but really we don't know with any degree of certainty. We're just guessing what might happen to the, to the Buckins herd uh, as a result of this project that will carry on for 10 years, operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're just basically, it's somewhat, I guess better than guessing, um, but it's really um, it's really very uncertain what will happen. Yeah, and I, I think to be fair to the to the tr truth in that statement not being an inadequacy on the part of, of the uh, proponent and the uh, authors of, of the statement, the uh, uh, mitigative measures in many ways are new, so. Um, we don't uh, have prior studies that look at you know low impact lighting and uh, you know uh, 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 other um, changes that uh, can be made to the, to the technology. But uh, um, I think you know it is uncertain, and that's because the you know the effects of stress that I was speaking to before show up in in population dynamics and population sizes. Yes, but those tend to occur over generations of caribou. So um, uh, we do know that uh, uh, the effect, say, of weather is cumulative on uh, calves and on the, the way in which a mother that's born of, sorry, when a mother is born as a calf that's experienced a lot of stress, um, this comes more from you know, winter weather studies, then that calf grows up to become a, you know, a poor mother. 
And so, so you see what I mean? There's uncertainty because nothing will be observed the same year mm. uh, that the stresses are occurring. Um, and, and predators, you know, there's lots of mention and, and, and there's lots of information today that shows that, that you know, the arrival of coyote to the uh, island of Newfoundland plus the black bear plus the lynx um, really do you know, have a, an effect on the, on the um, caribou. And uh, the uncertainty comes in because, for example, it's been demonstrated that the effect of lynx is, is significant once the snowshoe hare numbers drop. Now, you know, it's not up to Stantec to figure out when that's going to occur relative to the project development because nobody can predict with real certainty when the rabbit numbers go up and when they go down. But you know, th th these are th these are the sort of cumulative effects that exist in nature, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to say except that yeah, uh, it's an no. honest statement that we're uncertain, uh, and it's up to the public to weigh that uncertainty when it comes to uh, uh, you know every every member of the public's uh, opinion on a development like this. And of course, this development happens in a in a context where. Uh, caribou numbers are down. They are a uh, species of concern, which is uh, less serious than a serious than a species at risk, but they're a species of concern because of the numbers. Um, and you mentioned the predators, so this is another, you know, another thing. Uh, this uh, this mine that the caribou have to deal with in an already um, uh, reduce population uh, situation. So uh, it's, it's not as if the mine is being built when uh, the caribou population is, uh, is the highest it's ever been. Quite the contrary, it's, uh, it's on the low end. Correct, yeah. And, uh, you know, the, when, you, when you suggested this interview, I was giving some thought, you know, all the questions focused on caribou. Is that really fair? Um, the, there are many other components of, of the study, but I, I think one of the thoughts that occurred to me, you know, I, I taught wildlife management and I, 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 I'm at a university that increasingly asks us to think about, you know, indigenous cultures and the past of indigenous people. And, you know, both the, uh, uh, you know, the indigenous people of Newfoundland and the first settlers for certain, uh, probably even current generations really could be considered, you know, the, the people of the deer. Um, uh, that's uh, very clear in place names and uh, storytelling. And uh, Deer Lake, for example, is named after the caribou, not after the deer that we will find in uh, Ontario. Right. So prior to uh, supermarkets, people would know where the caribou were migrating, and that was a food source. And that was not only a food source, it was a whole culture. Um, and... and uh, I think uh, the declines that have occurred with the arrival of coyotes, which, which is really a human-caused phenomenon that accompanied the ex, uh, extirpation of the wolf in eastern North America, um, you know, plus each additional development. I, I don't say I'm anti-development of, of the mine. I mean, again, I'm impressed with some of the mitigative measures, and I'm, um, I'm glad to see the honesty uh, in removing some of the uh, issues that did occur in the past. Apparently one of the pits, uh, so-called victory pit was eliminated from the development plan specifically because it would have had further impact on the buckets migration. Um, so I'm not against it, but I, I do want to impress on everybody the importance to weigh what you think about 
you know, the value of caribou, the value of wetlands, the, the value of wilderness. And, uh, you know, the, the, the importance of keeping an ecosystem intact as much as possible versus the, the you know, the, the jobs and the boost to the economy in uh, rural Newfoundland that the marathon development would provide. You and uh, Richard Wang. Richard uh, is also assisting us uh, on our project. Richard is from Newfoundland, from Fogo Island, currently a graduate student at Trent University in Peterborough, Ontario. He will be um, analyzing uh, the wildlife division data, uh, which hopefully we'll get soon. So just uh, give us a sketch of what um, of what you and uh, on what you and Richard will be doing between now and December twenty third, which is uh, the deadline to get our submissions in um, to the Impact Assessment Agency of Canada. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen the data, so you know, I'm cautious about what I have as a you know certain plan right now. But let's assume the data doesn't really have a lot of information on. Uh, females with calves and, and the fraction of the population that occurs uh, in total and uh, in the project development area. And uh, let's assume that that's why Stantec didn't put it into the report. I put uh, to Richard uh, as top priority using um, uh, an algorithm that's been available for a, a little while now. In fact, it comes from, uh, among other places, one of the research labs in, in Memorial University on caribou. It'll determine from um, movement uh, detected on the, the, you know, the GPS and uh, 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 our Argos collars, which was a prior satellite. Uh, just, you know, what uh, what is likely to be a female with calf. Uh, female just before calving will, will uh, stop for a few days. Um, a female with an aborted calf will behave differently. So. And we can even look at that with respect to the Star Lake development. You know, as a second uh, piece, I think we're going to expand the buffer on the uh, project area to the four and the six kilometers and see what uh, um, difference in terms of total numbers make. But um, I think the most persuasive uh, issue that will have those long-term and residual effects is the, is the calf disturbance that would take place during the summer spring and summer yes right brian so we'll be busy between now and december 23rd making our deadline and um thank you for your uh help on the project and thanks for coming on for this interview on a saturday morning so thank you very much yeah you're welcome and uh yeah let's keep at it it's not an easy task <laughs> yes onward and upward we'll do the best we can brian mclaren a professor in natural resources management at Lake University. You too can make your feelings known on the Valentine Lake Gold Mine. Here again is the email address iaac.valentine.aeic at canada.ca. You can find that address on our Facebook page and on the show notes for this episode. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. You can listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus. <laughs> <laughs>